here. If you're looking for your next alpha, possessive, and sexy book boyfriend, then Bones is the guy for you. Bones is the ultimate MC bad boy who will do everything to protect his club and his love, Bella. This book is filled with tantalizing sex scenes, dramatic fights, and all the bikers any romance reader could crave. Bones, Making Her His Priority is the debut novel by KP Knights. It's available now for $4.99 or in Kindle Unlimited. <laughs> Bones, Making Her His Priority by KP Knights. It's available now. Go grab your copy. Hey, lady listeners. Hey. Hey. You sound so chipper. I know. Tessa. She went from like angry about her microphone situation to like super happy. <laughs> Well, I've never been so aware of my resting bitch face until I started looking at myself while we record this podcast, and I'm like, God, I look so pissed all the time, but it's really just that my face just it could be, molds that it way. It could be your controlling issues. Somebody did message the uh, the podcast about, because now we're on YouTube, and some so one of our listeners messaged Leah and said... That she loved watching us on YouTube and she was the sweetest could be. She was like, I-, I love listening to you guys every week. You know, like you didn't disappoint me. I loved like Leah's, you know, outgoing, like bubbly personality and like Mel's dryness and Tessa's, um, what did she say? Controlled <laughs> attitude. Like was It was like, like controlling, something about being controlling. And I was like, oh, she hit the nail on the head. <laughs> and Tessa's like, what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> like, maybe you should take this at face value. <laughs> you know, like, let's not read too much into this. <laughs> well, I was like, it's okay. I'll just be dissecting that for the next 20 years. <laughs> no. But it's fine. I was like, or just be like, hey, I'm controlling. <laughs> Someone noticed. Yeah. Yeah. She's, no, she was very sweet, though. And um, it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> it's really just it's me it's not her mm-hmm. um but speaking of lady listeners i had a um event at barnes and noble in new uh, barnes and noble in new jersey over the weekend and a couple of lady listeners showed up Aww. joy and colleen so That's shout awesome. out to them they were really sweet and just like excited to meet me and i was like I'm excited to meet you. That's so sweet. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And so it was really cool. It was really cool that they came all the way out to see and brought their families and stuff. So yeah. How was your book signing? Was it good? It was good. Yeah. You know, like it was a little slow. I don't know. Where was it There at? was like eight of us. It was at a Barnes and Noble in, in Menlo. Oh, wait, is it? Edison, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was great. Like the people that came um, made my day. That's so, so awesome. Cool. Oh, yeah. you had lady listeners show up. That's so cool. I did. And my friend, my friend Maggie as well showed up who I used to work in an office with her before, before I ever was Aww. an author. And like, <laughs> I hope... I hope our old boss doesn't listen to this podcast. I'm going to check <laughs> her. And if she does, then I'll have to take this part out. But, um, so she and I would get to the office in the morning. And we were both in our mid-20s. Or I guess it must have been, yeah, like late or mid, early to mid-20s. We'd get to the office. We'd check our messages, write our messages down, check our emails, like mm-hmm. let everybody know we were there. And then we'd be like, all right, so we're going to go to just grab a Starbucks. We'll be back in 10 minutes. 
So we'd, we'd walk to, uh, we'd get halfway to Starbucks. There was a parking lot. We would hunker down behind a blue van and smoke a joint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we'd go to Starbucks, walk back, and be high until like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Every day. Oh. I don't know how I functioned. Oh, my God. Or was able to complete my tasks. Oh, that sounds but great. But it was the greatest. Yeah. I wish that could be my life right now. And why'd you leave? I know, exactly. (laughs) To do this bullshit? (laughs) Fuck you, Tessa. (laughs) It was a really fun job. You know, like I was there for, I think, five or six years. And I worked for this big Greek family. They owned all these properties, all these buildings in Manhattan and Brooklyn and Harlem. And, uh, well, Harlem is Manhattan. But, you know, they would, yeah, they just, it was like people that didn't have heat or had rats in their apartment or whatever would call us, like, freaking, screaming, you know? And yeah, you um, need to be high for that job. (laughs) You need to be high for that job. It was, you know, think of just like New York City housing. Mm -hmm. It's an insane, it's an insane thing. You know, you got people coming home from their bartending jobs at three in the morning. And then Mm -hmm. we start hammering in the apartment next door. And they're like calling us foaming at the mouth because they can't sleep. (laughs) And it's 10 o'clock in the morning. But anyways, it's just, uh, it's an insane city and it was a cool job. I, I, That's I miss cool that it. she I came can, though. I, yeah. She's, she's like my friend for life. I really love her. I love her. that. We got to have, we get to go to the Cheesecake Factory. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I see your office is done too. Did you finish it this weekend? It's like halfway finished. It looks really nice. I like the table behind you nice. and the color. It's like, it wasn't like a teal color, wasn't it? Ooh, look at your shelves. That's so pretty. Yeah, Pat put up those shelves. That's nice. Yeah. That's really cute. I love the color, though. You can see the carpet's white. Mm -hmm. It looks so adult. Yeah, no, it's very grown up. (laughs) Mel, you should show your office when you go to your house sometime. (laughs) This is my lamp and my curtains. Ooh, there's your treadmill. Your treadmill. Fuck that thing. I've got to go. (laughs) <laughs> I've got a couple of um, things that I need to, need to put on the wall. So those are coming in the mail. That looks really Etsy. nice, though. Did you redo the flooring or did you already have hardwoods? It was, it was yeah, it was already like this. I just got a new This rug, is HGTV podcast. <laughs> um, sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm just really enjoying your redecorated office. It looks really nice. I'm enjoying the heck out of it. It's It just feels like so much bigger mm-hmm. and like so much less cluttered. And Pat's like, it really feels like a grown up like it does you know, compared to what it was before uh-huh. it's like you really over the last five years you you, you could see how mm-hmm. you've grown up and like yeah. change your God, personality i wish changed. i could take photos of all the places i've used as an office until i got to this one and i'm like bitch i earned this fucking office do you know like i wrote in an attic for three years <laughs> like yep. come on I forgot yeah, about I was, that. Yeah, I had boxes all around me all the time. I was in an attic with like a slanted ceiling. I had a recliner in the corner surrounded by like just shit. I don't know how you did that because you're always like, everything's got to be I know. It was awful. Like it was, it was awful. But you know, it was, I guess it was one of those things where I really just, just zoned out on everything around me to do it. But my first, uh, the first place I wrote was be- a bed. Like I would That's basically Mel. just go into our bedroom and write on my bed. I did too. Yeah. I wrote in my bed. Like I do not know yeah. how you did it. Like Mel would write in bed and I would see her and she would not like, not like sit up in bed. She would like lay over. Like it was like she was cross-legged and she would lay forward and then put her hands out in front of her and then write. No. Like, I don't know how you did that without just severe back damage. 
Because I write differently than most people. I write in sprints. Yeah, me too. So I I write in giant sprints. So I'm like 500 words, break. 500 words, no, break. Yeah, me too. Or whatever. So I'll stop and I'll push it away and I'll get up and walk around. So it's just like for 20 minutes, I'm like this and I'm done. And then I'll come back again. Yeah, like I, yeah, sprints are really, really, I think they work really well. Like you basically shut your internet down, turn your phone over, yeah. don't look at it. And you just go hard for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Write down that number, then do another one, write down that number until you hit whatever your goal was for the day. And like, I'll basically, when I start a book, I'll just be dicking around for the first two mm-hmm. weeks. And then I'm like, okay, shit, I really got to buckle down. And then once I start those sprints, it just like the predictivity mm-hmm. just quadruples. Mm-hmm. I think I'd like, I like, I think that that would work well. I like that theory, but it doesn't like, if I get, I'm so easily distracted that, you know, if I stopped after 30 minutes, I wouldn't start again. I saw a thing Megan March said the other day. Um, she did like her, she always does like ask questions on Instagram. So if you follow her, it's really cool where she'll just post up like, ask me anything. And one of the ones was like, you know, how do you write and all this stuff. And she said, I actually walk around my office and think, and she said, and then I don't sit down until I know what I'm going to write. And then I don't get up till it's done. And I was like, Oh, that's really yeah. Funny. I was like, that's good. Yeah. It's, it seems like everybody, cause I've had other people try to do the sprints and they're like, I don't want to stop. I'm already in yeah. it. And they can't. Yeah. But it, it just, yeah. Yeah. Well, if I hit the end of a sprint and I'm like in the zone, mm-hmm. I'll keep going. I mean, yeah, but it's, you know, it's sometimes too, I think if you pace out, like, especially if you're doing a chapter and you you know, your hit list of like, what do you got to get to by the end? I think that makes it easier to write 500 words and take a break and then go back and cause you know yeah. where you're going. Yes, definitely. If I go over like the 400 or whatever my limit is for the top of the hour, I don't get to count those extra words for my next set. Ooh. So if I wrote 600, that extra 100 doesn't go. So okay. Next. You got to start again. You're tough on yourself. <laughs> there was this, um, God damn it. I wish I could think of the name of the author. It was an old timey author, a man. I and one of my friends told me about him. He had this, uh, he was so type A and so OCD about writing and hitting goals that if he, say like his goal for the oh, goal for the hour was 3,000 words, say he hit 2,000 words and it was the end of the book, he would have to start a new book and write 1,000 oh, words. Oh, shit. And I was like, that's, that's, that's awful. Next level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds miserable, mm-hmm. but okay. Sounds like an other epilogue. <laughs> yeah, We're coming, exactly. Going. Did you guys see the movie Parasite? Not yet. No, not yet. It's on my watch list. We were going to watch it the other night, but we ended up watching The Pharmacist instead, which I don't recommend. It is like, it's really good, but it's depressing as shit when it's over. Yeah. I don't know. Have you guys seen the previews? I was telling Mel about it. I um, thought about watching it, but now I'm like, okay, it's like not. it's really, really well done. the The guy, the the dad, and there's a dad who loses his son, and he's a pharmacist, and he sort of goes on with like this vigilante justice trying to find out who killed his son, and then it gets into like the pharmaceutical industry and like the epidemic of opioids and all this stuff, and it's really informative and it's really awesome, but at the end of it, it's just like oh, this is still a problem. Like, it's still rampant. So it's a, it's a documentary? Or, yeah, it's a docu-series a on... Uh, Won't it always be a problem? Because you're walking this fine line of people mm-hmm. are in pain yeah. and people are abusing it and we can't stop giving it to the people that are in pain. I don't know. Was I don't even know what you can do. That like Something like 85 to 90% of the people addicted to opioids 
it's because of a prescription after they were injured. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, that is crazy. Yeah. Everybody like, was prescribed it originally. That's a, that, or that has the it's addiction. It's very to, rare yeah. that, that it's illegally and then, taken. Yeah. And, and then somebody, and the same person told me that a lot, that some of the, that the other, um, that a lot of the problems uh, with overdoses among teenagers, a lot of the problems were sustained by open houses. So like these, the people that get the addiction, they would, in order to get more of these pills, they would just surf open houses and go into the medicine cabinets and everybody has bottles of pills in their cabinets. Fuck. They would go in and they were able to sustain themselves for like years just going to open houses because everybody has these pills Uh in their cabinets and how dangerous that is. Like once you're done with your cycle, fucking get rid of it. Don't have it around, you know? Oh, that's so scary. Yeah. Let's so it down. <laughs> if you haven't seen Parasite, I it like it was so unexpectedly amazing. Yeah, I, I hear how it keeps I'm still thinking about it. I can see every single scene of that movie in my head. Don't spoil like it. That. I want to watch it. Don't tell me what happens. I'm not spoiling it. So basically, so it's subtitled. Mm-hmm. It's a Korean film, and uh, it basically starts off. The, there's this family of four. It's the mother. A father and two children, a boy and a girl, and they're like teenagers, I think. So one of the, the son's friend comes over and he's like, "I'm tutoring this rich girl, but I'm going on vacation. So can you step in and like tutor her f- while I'm gone, right?" Mm-hmm. And so he does it, and he realizes like these rich people are like perfect marks, like they're just kind of like checked out. They're not very, they're not very intelligent uh, when it comes to like street, being street wise, mm-hmm. things like that. So they start to con this family and it is. It's a, I've heard it's like a uh, shameless. <laughs> I've heard it's a lot like the show shameless like that. I don't, I only watched one episode. Of oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought thing. you watched yeah. it. Okay. I've no, heard it similar to that. So well, there you it's, go. it's very good okay. and beautiful. Yeah. It's really beautifully done. Awesome. So if you haven't seen Parasite, you know what the thing about subtitles, a lot of people are hesitant to try movies with subtitles, but can I tell you, like you will forget they're there after five minutes yeah. and you'll just kind of like fall into this rhythm with them. And it's like, I honestly, some of the best movies I've seen are subtitles. Yeah. 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 It's, re- it's, really. it's interesting how Foreign it films. doesn't like make a difference, you know, after a while. Like, of watching them and stuff. That just does not deter me if there's subtitles on a movie. I think that's awesome. Yeah. My husband, he, sometimes he can't watch them because of the just his eyesight. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Did you watch Midsummer? Because that was one you said that he couldn't watch because that's of the, the That's the next one we're going to okay. watch. Because, he, yeah, he, 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 he told me he couldn't watch it because of, of his eyesight. But he got along with Parasite just fine. Okay, so. well, good. <laughs> I guess it's only if he wants to. <laughs> well, I guess. speaking of the Oscars, can we talk about the thirst for Eminem and how real it is? Like, I, he listen, was I was in the middle of watching the Oscars live by myself on my couch in a different room than my husband with a bag of Dove <laughs> chocolate. And then Eminem comes on the stage and I text Mel. I lose my shit. I was like, are you watching this? Look at him. He gained weight. He has a beard. He's so fucking hot. Like, I don't know what it was. But he looked good. He looked He so looked good. really good and solid. Solid and, like, and heavy. Yeah. 
He looked yeah, healthy. Yeah, he looked healthy. looked healthy. His beard looked good. There was this picture of him and Elton John afterwards, and the Eminem said something like, I'm here with my gay dad or something like that. <laughs> and I was still like, he could get it. But I posted it up in, in Read Me Room. It's headquarters, our Facebook group. And one of the ladies in there was like, she was, it was a gif of her like looking at her watch like this. And she's like, I'm just trying to think about a time when Eminem couldn't get it. <laughs> That's I'm searching for a time when he couldn't. I was like, okay, you're right. You're, you're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> I think what was so attractive about that is that when he walked out, everybody was super confused uh-huh. and didn't know how to react. And yet his confidence level did not waver no. the entire time. No. Like he was like, I'm going to, he was just like, I'm going for it. I'm going to yeah. go 150% uh-huh. even though all these people are staring at me like they have in their evening gowns, mm-hmm. like they have no idea what I'm doing here. It did not, he did not like, it was like lose that. Welcome to my performance. Belligerence. Yeah. 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 It was great. Mm-hmm. It was just so great. Oh, I love that. And then um, yeah. the other thing I had written down about the Oscars was um, Joaquin Phoenix's acceptance speech. And <laughs> I didn't get, I didn't make it that far. Oh, it was so beautiful. And at the end of it, he said, he talked about River and he said, I lost my brother a long time ago. And like, I got chills when he said it. I saw that he wrote, he said, he said a quote from one of River's yeah, songs. And it's, yeah. And the quote is, run to the rescue with love and peace will follow. And that was the last thing he said before he walked off stage. And it was like, I just started crying because I loved River Phoenix. Like, I thought he was amazing and it was so cool. And I remember when he died, like, I was so sad, you know? I mean, because I was young and I was like, oh, my God, like people die, like celebrities die. Like it just seems so foreign, you know, but I thought that was really cool. I feel cool. like I want to say something, but I don't want to come across negative Go for it. about it. It's just that I don't know if I, I my point of view has just kind of changed a little bit when it comes to these awards shows, mm-hmm. because remember like at the at the grant, it was the Emmys when Ricky Gervais was like, that's the Golden Globes. Golden yeah. Globes. Ricky Gervais was he got he was hosting and he said when you get up here get your award yeah and get the fuck thank off your the God stage because and get the you award. don't know anything about real life mm-hmm. yeah he's like he said Greta Thurberg knows has more school more education than you guys yeah. you don't know anything about real life so we come up here and make your political speech if you want to but you don't know anything about what real people deal with so just get your award and get the fuck off stage yeah. and I'm like <laughs> it was beautiful yes absolutely. Yeah. Because Joaquin Phoenix does not know anything about it. No. He knows tragedy. Yeah. Obviously, he's lost his brother, and um, he's a great actor, and I'm sure probably a kind human being, but... I mean, run to the rescue with love. Like, I don't know if that's pandering because you want to you want to have a nice speech and you want people to applaud, or do you feel it? Or I don't know. It's like sometimes I just I'm very skeptical about these people if they're acting. Yeah, just acting. You know. I guess I would look at it as like you know I would feel very disingenuous if Brad Pitt would have said it. You know, Brad Pitt's whole thing was scripted. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's know? what I mean. That's like what Lainey Gossip yeah. called him the prom king. She's like, that's exactly who he. Is. Yes, like he panders to that, and I like just Brad don't... Pitt didn't watch the impeachment trial. <laughs> Stop it, Brad Pitt! You didn't uh, watch it. <laughs> no. But and I, I just, know that. It, but I do love Brad Pitt. So yeah. I, well, I guess I just know. feel like maybe I don't know. I just feel like the quote that Joaquin said I felt was more genuine, and I, he just doesn't seem like the type that would loosely throw around celebrity for the sake of it. So I don't know. I mean, but we're yeah, all assuming. It's like you never know, It's right? all assumptions yeah. based on people we don't know. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, if one of us got up and made an acceptance speech, 
you would want to say something that moved somebody, moved people. Yeah. Right? And who knows if it's moving you or if it's moving them. It's 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 kind of human nature to try to please people. Well, Renee Zellweger did the same thing. Like, she got up and I think she tried to say something moving and it was just really just like blather and I was like I don't even know what you're saying right now but get off the stage <laughs> you know because I just and none of it made I mean, sense I don't know there's so, I think Eminem could get up and yep. say something that I would want to listen to you can to tell you can from, tell the difference yeah. right when somebody really means it mm-hmm. like think about remember when Matt Damon okay they're not perfect they're not perfect people yes. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck got up and they won for Goodwill Hunting yeah. that was genuine and real to me yeah and I, you can tell, like, when the guy, um, the directed Parasite, got up and yeah, won, that's, yeah. that was very real. Yeah. Ten years from now, they're accepting an award, Maybe or not. ten years after Goodwill Hunting, they're mm-hmm. accepting an award. It's a little different. You can tell the difference. It's like, Well, I just wanted I to say, too, in the same vein of how hot Eminem was, um, has anyone <laughs> else's vagina dried up for Jason Momoa after seeing the Super Bowl commercial? Because I can't look at him the same way now. That Super Bowl commercial had ru- has ruined any sexual appeal that he ever had for me. Like, I see him now. He's never been my thing. Do what? I know, and maybe thing. that's it. Maybe that's why I'm so easy to dismiss it because he would like he's handsome. I think he's a very nice looking man. He's not one that's like gonna that I, you know like the the mug that says the perfect weight is Jason Momoa on top of me. You know, like I think that's funny and all, but you know he's not my go to guy. But I will say I don't find him attractive at all after that Super Bowl commercial where it's like he sits down and for those who haven't seen it, he walks to the room and he's talking about something. I don't even know what the commercial was for. It's like an insurance commercial. Yeah, and it's he's so like, weird. He's yeah. taking off like his clothes and then he proceeds to take off his muscles. It's like these fake muscles. And when he takes and his them hair. off, yeah, yeah, and his hair and he's bald and he's got these skinny twig arms and legs and it's just like, it's so weird. And, um, and, and seeing him now, like, I just, I, I, all I see is that skinny bald dude, you know? <laughs> oh, it's well, just, it's not I found doing him very, att- I found him extremely attractive when he was in Game of Thrones and yes. I didn't know who he was before that. Yes. But when he, um, oh, the way he kind of like that character arc of him. I like the character in there. Marrying Daenerys and then like. You know, basically taking her against her will mm. and then she teaches him to, you know, to to like have physical pleasure with her mm-hmm. instead of just like, like you know, putting that hard, up with forceful it. Forceful yeah. thing. Yeah. That was beautiful. That was the awesome. way he like adapted to her and fell in love with her. And I was really attracted to that. Mm-hmm. I hated Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. and there hasn't been anything that I like really he really uh, played that alpha male, mm-hmm. like the way he played in, in, in Game of Thrones. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like it's, it's like I said, I, I don't it. like when they start getting too big, and then they're like full of themselves and taking pictures of themselves. I start to lose my attraction. Like I don't feel like a super hot guy is going to take selfies. <laughs> I don't know. The, like wait, he's wait, not going to do it. I saw a picture of Hopper from um from Stranger Things where he took a picture of his butt like in the mirror. <laughs> and somebody, see that's a little I know, funny. Somebody was like, "Who he take that picture for?" And the girl was like, "His damn self. Can't he? Can't a man feel cute?" <laughs> <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> can't a man feel cute? I love that. I don't know. I, I think we're you know like our kids are growing up in an age where every guy they date is going to be a selfie taker. Yes. I think it's just like part of the culture now, but like we grew up in a time where like it was hotter almost. Well, we, I mean, we, we didn't really grow up in the time. We, 
To me, it's hotter when a guy like foregoes that stuff and he's like, I don't want to be on social media. Mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck like about any of it. That is hot. Yeah. That's hot. I don't know why, but it is when they're not like all up in the Mm -hmm. camera. Because they don't need to be validated. You know, like that's what social media is. It's a validation of how you look, how you like your opinion, all this stuff. It's just people validating you. Mm -hmm. And so if they're already confident enough to not need that validation, it's really sexy. Yeah. It's like, what's the point? Otherwise, I love that. Yeah. I I feel like we were super negative about a bunch of people just now. Should we say something nice about people? (laughs) Um, Uh, I love Captain America. Oh, I was talking to my friend Eagle the other day and she was like, I don't like him. I don't like him. But then she likes that um, the Batman guy or Superman. Oh, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill? Henry Cavill. She's like, I don't like all these people. And I was like, you like Henry Cavill and I like Captain America. Where's basic? Sit down. She's like, damn it. True story. (laughs) Did you hear this uh, like story that they talked about this week? Some, some like scientific, uh, scientific, like, I don't know, like scan of yeah. all the male celebrities' faces has deemed Robert Pattinson the most attractive oh. male on the planet because of his symmetry and like certain yeah. things about his fe- features. And I don't, I mean, I think he's, I don't, he's very attractive mm-hmm. to me. I don't know. Lately, especially because he's kind of, he's I don't know. He's gotten older. He's got kind of an I don't give a fuck gets, attitude. Yeah. You know? Yes. The older he gets, the better looking he gets. Yeah. yeah. For some He's getting better with age. I think that too. I think he was attractive like in Twilight and stuff, but he definitely played a very young character very well, you know, but I don't find, I don't think he's by any means, you know, more attractive than, you know, another I think it goes to that, oh my God, I feel like we're just, we are saying horrible things. It goes with that model thing, the runway. Some of those, they're perfectly symmetrical. symmetrical Yeah. Is what it is. And sometimes I don't think they're that pretty, but for some, it's like, they're like art. Yeah. Almost. I have to, there's this Robert Pattinson commercial. Um, is it the Dior ad? It's a Dior. Yes. I was just looking or it maybe up. Maybe it's so not So if you Dior, haven't seen the Dior, the, it's like a 30 is. second Dior trailer with Robert Pattinson in it. It is so, it's so sexy. It's very sexy. It's like he's dragging a woman underneath um, the di- the dinner table to like have sex with her in a restaurant. Mm. And then he's like shadow boxing in one scene. Oh, it's just so. And they're like naked so up like, against a window in another one. Yeah, yeah it's, it's good hot. stuff. I was yeah. like, oh, Twilight. I'm sorry. Oh my god, we haven't even. We're here for Sierra Cartwright <laughs> on a movie romance. Oh my god. Oh, you just now. I've got it on here. We'll get to it at some point. <laughs> it's 26 minutes in. Okay, oh. you guys. I'm sorry, Sierra Cartwright. No. You guys. Talk about Sierra Cartwright. Okay. So. She's here with a book called Scandalous Billionaire, and we're going to play the first half of it in like a minute or two or five it's minutes fun. or something. We're gonna, yeah. So we met Sierra Cartwright a long time ago. Was it in – Was it in, I think in RT we did yes, a panel with her. we were her. on a panel with her, and it was either in – was it Vegas or was it in – Dallas, I can't remember. I can't Anyways, remember. so we were on a panel with her, and it was talking about writing erotica. It was Dallas, yeah, and it was her and Lauren Dane, I think, was on there too. I can't remember. And um, but Sierra was on there, and she moderated it, and she was amazing. 
Like she walked in there and was like, okay. She had all these yeah. notes. She, was she ready walked to in, go. she sat her notebook down. She's like, all right, we're going to ask some questions before we get started so we can answer them as we go. Who's got burning questions first? And <sighs> people start asking him, and I started to write them down, and she's like, oh, I got it. Like in her head, like she's she's good to go. And then as we go through the panel, she's like, and that leads to your question. Oh, and then we're going to answer your question with this. And it was just like, she was just on it. And then afterwards, we went and had lunch with her. Like we got some appetizer or whatever near the bar and we were sitting down and she came over and we just talked to her forever. Like I ended up at one point leaving Mel with her and went and did something. And I went to another panel and came back like two hours later and they were still like in the same spot. Because we just, I don't know, she's very driven and she was very interesting to talk to. Me and her bounced ideas about different things for hours. I could sit down and talk to her all day. She's so... She's just, like I said, she's very driven. She's very smart. And you can just bounce ideas back and forth and kind of just create with her. And she's been in this industry for so long. Like, I don't even know when she published her first book. It had to have been like a decade ago, at least. I don't know. But um, but she's just she's a well of knowledge, and all she wants to do is share. And that's her. That was one of the first things she ever said to me, and I loved it. And she was like, she said, you know, the romance industry is huge. There's room for everybody at this table. And I was just like, I love this woman. Like she's amazing, you know. And she was just she's so eager to share. And I'm taught if you you know just ask her a question about like, hey, do you know how to do this or. You know, what do you think is a good release or, you know, covers or whatever it is like she would she wouldn't have like, you know, I don't nobody has all the answers, but she would be the type of person that would be like, let's let's go through this. What do you think about this? Let's bounce ideas, you know, or, oh, I'm thinking of starting a new series. And she'd be like, well, what about this or this? You know, she's just and she's easily excited about something. And I think that goes a long way. Do you have a favorite book of hers? Uh, She did a Danger Zone. The I think I've recommended that series before. It's the Danger Zone series. She has a lot of BDSM yeah. and billionaire. That's a, that was like a menage BDSM series. And I think I recommended that when we talked about like older books that we've read, books that you loved or something like that we went through. and um, But I love those. And she's got like a new series. She just had a new book that came out. Was it yesterday? I got an email about it. I think it. she had one this week. It was this. It was, maybe it was Monday. I got an email from Amazon that said, um, an author you love has had a new release. And I was like, Sierra. <laughs> I like, clicked on it. So that was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. So if you're, so you would recommend it to like our lady listeners who like a billionaire and like mm-hmm. like a dom, yeah, any kind of hero. dom billionaire alpha, okay. like so good. Scandalous billionaire is what it's called. I wonder if this book is in that series. Yeah, well, that's that what this book now. is. Yeah, <laughs> it's gotta be right. Oh, oh, I guess it's okay. <laughs> okay, right. it's good to find that out on the podcast. <laughs> No, I just I, I was looking for her latest release to see what came out on the third on the eleventh. Yeah. Okay, like Leah was saying. But okay. um, she's go. also go. got another series that she wrote with um. Oh, who's the chick that we love that did BDSM, the old school one? Um, that did the Shadowland series. What's her name? Sharice Sinclair. Yeah, she has. Okay, so she has a series that she wrote with Sharice Sinclair. Excuse me, another author, and I can't think of her name right now. The three of them wrote. I think three books together and each of them, it's like an anthology. Each of them has a book in it and they're bundled together and there's, and they're all the stories kind of interconnect. And one of the stories is about them. I forget what it's called. Like a, they're like in some kind of like mountain cabin in the woods and it ends up being like a, I think like a BDSM party. And this girl walks in and she's like, Oh shit. 
And so, like, <laughs> like it, it's really good. Like, that's oh, what, yeah, that's one of my favorite series she has. So, but you can't. That's what I just push. I pieced it all together. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so, um, this book that you guys are having on the podcast is part of the Titan series. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was related because our covers mm-hmm. are different than the covers that are on at authors' websites. So, yes, but you can get the first book in the Titan series for free called Sexiest Billionaire. Okay, nice. good. Sexiest Billionaire is free. It's it's part of the series, like related to the book that we're about to play for you, Scandalous Billionaire. Awesome. So once you get once you listen to the first half of this, then get your clicker finger ready and to go get some more Sierra Cartwright. Awesome. Sound good? Yep. All right, we're going to go ahead and play the first installment of Scandalous Billionaire. And uh, when we come back, we'll... We'll talk to you about more stuff. Awesome. <laughs> Enjoy. Bye. Bye. This is Scandalous Billionaire by Sierra Cartwright. Read for you by Kit Swan. Chapter One. What in the fuck do you think you're doing? The woman in his bedroom closet gasped and swung around, his red tie pressed against her chest. Her eyes, the stunning blue of a topaz, were wide open, and her mouth was parted in shock. For a moment, he could do nothing but stare. Her full, kissable lips were painted red. Red? No, it wasn't red. More like scarlet, the color of temptation. He had an instant response to the sweet, spring-like scent of her, until... Jesus. Lizzie? Raiden blinked. It took him a moment to place her. He knew her, but at first he hadn't recognized her at all. For most of his life, Elizabeth Ryan had been a fixture in his house. She was the daughter of his housekeeper. The much younger, off-fucking-limits daughter of his housekeeper, he mentally amended. A few years ago, she'd gone away to college, and he hadn't seen her since. But now she was back, more beautiful than ever, standing in his closet near shelving that held his shoes and winter sweaters. Brighton, she remained in place as if shock had momentarily paralyzed her. I, while he waited for her to go on, he swept his gaze over her. In the past four years, she'd changed considerably. Her cheekbones were more pronounced. Her curves were fuller, enticing. But still, even in heels, she wouldn't reach his chin. She cleared her throat and tried again. I wasn't expecting you. Obviously. It wasn't often that he escaped the office to come home in the middle of the day, But if he were guaranteed to find her in his bedroom, that might change. Shit. What the hell was he thinking? This was Lizzie he was lusting over. He shook his head to get rid of the outrageous thought. Care to explain yourself? My mom recruited me to help her out. You know, for tomorrow's party. There's a lot to be done still, and she needs the help. Braden nodded. Lucky him. This weekend, he was hosting his grandparents' 70th anniversary party. A year ago, his mother had announced the event would be held here at his house. Her royal decree hadn't surprised him. His grandparents had built the River Oaks Mansion in Houston in the 1950s, 
with an eye toward entertaining. In the previous century, pictures of the numerous Gallagher soirees graced the newspaper society pages. But now, his grandfather's health was declining. While he was still strong enough, they wanted one last magnificent party. And she was right. There was a lot still to finish up, even though there'd been constant banging and clanging on the property for more than a week. Massive, air-conditioned tents had been erected. All the pool decking had been power-washed. A hundred potted plants and palms had been wheeled in. Fairy lights, how they were different from any other damn thing he didn't know, draped from his live oak tree and were threaded through all the fencing. As if that wasn't enough, there were lanterns and God knew how many other vendors had traipsed through to manicure the lawn. Almost all of the furniture from the main level had been moved into storage. The dining room set belonging to his grandparents as well as the contemporary pieces he preferred. Rugs had been rolled up and hauled out, and pocket doors had been pushed all the way open so that the living room and parlor became a ballroom, as per the home's original design. Tall tables had been brought in and draped with white cloths and adorned with floating candles. Since he had no idea what they were, he'd take the party planner's word for it, and tiny vases of flowers. All of that had been irksome but not as annoying as the hammering and pounding as a stage for the quartet had been erected. If he was smarter, he would have moved to a hotel for a couple of weeks. However, none of the preparation explained why the very attractive Lizzie Ryan was in his closet. As far as I know, my grandparents aren't planning to give private tours of the master bedroom. You're right, of course. Her face was scarlet, and she held his tie in a death grip. I'll just, he waited a full 10 seconds before prompting, you'll just finish up here. I asked what you were doing, Lizzie. I heard you, I was ignoring you and the question. She took a step back, but the shelving halted any further retreat. For as long as he wanted, she was trapped. A pulse hammered in her throat, and it was maddening how much he liked it. Braden moved toward her with purposeful intent, only stopping when he was mere inches from her. Desire, as carnal as it was forbidden, plowed into him. Do you often come into my bedroom when I'm not here, Lizzie? I. Her voice cracked, and she took a breath to compose herself. Then after a few seconds, her tone even, she went on. This is the first time. That was probably the truth. After all, she hadn't been here in years. At least, not that he knew of. That probably didn't stop him from fantasizing, just for a moment, that she'd been here before. No doubt his imaginings were nefarious, and her reason for being in his bedroom was innocent. She held his tie between them, as if trying to put distance between them as she explained herself. This was under the couch in your living room. Is that where he'd dropped it? Then he remembered, Jennifer Polis. The evening had been interesting. Well, right up until the moment that she mentioned the ways she might want to remodel the kitchen. Before the evening had really gotten started, he'd fetched her purse. Even as she protested, he'd called for a driver to take her home.
Instead of telling my mother what I found where, I decided to put it away myself. You could thank me for doing you a favor, but you won't. He wondered how that quip didn't draw blood. There was no doubt she'd grown up. In front of him was a confident woman, unimpressed by his money or, frankly, him. Truthfully, he shouldn't be embarrassed that it was obvious he'd had sex in the living room. He was a grown man and it was his house. And still, it did make him uncomfortable that she'd been the one to find it. With her chin tipped back, she looked at him. There's plenty of work still to be done this evening, if you'll excuse me. She shoved the tie at him. Did you try my drawers? What the hell was wrong with him? He should let her go. But he had to know what she'd seen, and she was making no attempt to get past him. Something was happening here, and he wasn't sure what the hell it was. He was caught in an undertow, and he wanted to take her down with him. Did you? Yes. The word was part whisper, part confession. God help him, it made him hungry to hear vulgar words fall from her beautiful mouth. So you discovered it doesn't go in my top drawer with my underwear, the relatively few pair he wore, mostly tight-fitting and moisture-wicking for when he worked out, or in the second one with my socks. She nodded. Did you open the one after that? You came in before I got that far. Her answer was quick, far too quick. Lizzie, the girl who'd become a desirable woman, was a pretty little liar. The way she glanced at the dresser, nervously and repeatedly, proved it. Maybe you should see if that's where it goes. No. He grinned, a lightning fast, triumphant response that he failed to hide. So you do know what's in there. You saw them, didn't you? The floggers, restraints, blindfolds, gags. And no doubt, also the rope that would wrap exquisitely around her tiny middle. Look, Brayden, I'm here to help my mother with a very big job. It was never my intention to invade your privacy. Lizzie, Lizzie, we both know the truth. It started that way, but it turned into snooping. It makes me wonder why. The scarlet flush deepened. I have a tie rack. He reached over to push a button nestled on the wall. A board filled with neat, flat, U-shaped hooks slid out. For future reference, it goes there. He hung it in place, right above a selection of whips and paddles. Um, I'll be sure to remember that if I ever find your clothes on the floor after you've had a night of debauchery. I'm not sure I've ever heard anyone use that word. It was as brave as the tilt of her chin. If she'd been scandalized when she opened his third drawer, she would have dropped the tie and run. Instead, she'd stayed. Are you in the least bit curious? Not at all. You have kinks, and that's okay. They're nothing to be ashamed of. Ashamed? He sure as fuck was not. A taste for BDSM, a little timey up, timey down is fine, as long as it's between consenting adults. Agreed, 
No argument from me. As a member of your staff, you can count on my discretion. That was the last thing he wanted from her. Stop the bullshit. You're not staff. Your signature is on my mother's paycheck. Her shoulders were straighter, like she donned an invisible set of armor. She serves at your pleasure, and I don't want to jeopardize that. Over you being in my closet? You think I'd fire someone who's essential to my family, who has been with me since I was a child, who at times was more caring than my own mother? Anger seared, fed by her thoughtless insensitivity. Eileen Ryan had wiped his tears, helped him through his grief, showed up once for a parent-teacher conference after his dad had left and his mother was in bed for the third day in a row, and he, a nine-year-old, hadn't understood why. What the fuck kind of man do you think I am? You have a reasonable expectation of privacy in your own home, even when your housekeeper, Lizzie's soothing, placating tone, pissed him off. Honestly, Brayden, all I wanted to do is put your tie back where it belonged, not cause upset. He'd fucking hurt enough. Brayden grabbed her by the shoulders and pulled her up until her prim and proper little heels were inches off the hardwood floor. Don't you ever, ever say anything like that again. Her mouth parted, and she sucked a tiny breath in through her mouth. Your mother can work here as long as she wants. She's more than a damn employee to me, and you know it. At one time, the two of them had sat across the kitchen island from each other, drinking milk and eating chocolate chip cookies after school. But now, this woman had the face and body of a goddess, and she was cursed with the tongue of a hellcat. You've dealt me the greatest insult I've ever received. Brayton, with his mouth, his kiss, his absolute fucking anger, he silenced her. He used his tongue to press past her sealed lips and determination to demand entrance. Brayden knew what polite society said behind his back. They didn't know that life had made him hard. Maybe some thought he had everything, but he'd never received what he needed most. Love. He'd seen it all right, been blinded by its intensity even, but never, ever had that emotion been meant for him. What he'd gone through had hardened him. To cope, he'd walled off his emotions. He didn't care about the women he slept with. Oh, he treated them well. He wasn't capable of anything else. He wooed them, but he didn't make promises. In fact, he was known as cold. That was likely true, and he was happy to throw calculating in there as well. He thought the world of women, and he enjoyed everything about them. Vanilla sex, woman on top even. But his passion was BDSM. The sweet sigh of a submissive's surrender was the most beautiful sound in the world. His reputation preceded him. Scandalous was perhaps his favorite word. And right now, mouth-fucking his housekeeper's daughter was about as scandalous as it got. Lizzie, Elizabeth, gave as good as she got. At first, he tasted the tang of her resistance. Her eyes were wide and she kept her body rigid. And then, he softened the kiss. At heart, he was a lover. 
It wasn't just his heart that he kept caged. It was his entire range of human emotion. Anger was a rare occurrence since he found it wasn't worth the expenditure. Braden much preferred to channel that capital into making money. In fact, he rarely even showed his displeasure. He'd rather work on changing the things that annoyed him. But in under five minutes, she had pissed him off and simultaneously intrigued him. He no longer wanted to punish her thoughtless words. Instead, he hungered to know more about her. Was she as passionate as she was standoffish? Was she at all curious about what she'd found in his closet? Would her capitulation be as mind-blowing as he imagined it might be? In his arms, Lizzie moaned. It was soft, more a whimper than anything, and yet it stoked the flame inside him. He pulled her closer and tasted her deeper. She no longer resisted him. Instead, she leaned into him. Braden was there for her, pressing one hand to the small of her back. With the other, he tugged the pin from her hair and sent her brunette tresses cascading over her shoulders and down her back. She was the sexiest woman he'd ever had in his arms. Earlier, she might have had a glass of wine. There was a sweetness from the grapes and perhaps the drying bitterness of tannins all rolled into one and wrapped in her response. Like a dying man, he was mad for more. Braden plundered her mouth, and as the moments passed, she linked her hands behind his neck and offered herself to him. She met his thrust with her parry. What they shared was heated with an intensity unlike any other, threatening him with combustion. He wanted her surrender as much as her demands. Finally, when neither could breathe, he pulled back a little. But even that was too much. Instantly, he claimed her mouth again, and her blazing response seared him. She kissed him back, as demanding as he'd been. She wasn't the aggressor, not at all. Instead, what she offered was a timeless acknowledgement of the passion between them. Minutes ago, they might have had a verbal parry and thrust, but this was as honest as it got. Lizzie, Elizabeth, was as interested in him as he was her. She hadn't run when she saw his implements of pleasure and pain, even though she lacked the courage to admit her curiosity. There was something here, something neither of them dared to do anything about. If he didn't have morals, he'd close the door behind him, lock it, then strip her down. She'd let him, too. The sexual hunger in the air told him that. He'd wrap her wrists with his red tie and then secure her to the clothes bar above them. After he'd aroused her, he'd spank her ass and fuck her hard from behind. He'd take everything she offered, and even some she didn't. At the end of it all, when he released her, she would have no doubt who owned her and the only sound from her mouth would be her gratitude. But, damn it all, he cared about what she thought of him. He couldn't fuck her and send her on her way like he did countless others. 
Lizzie Ryan deserved to be treated like the princess her mother believed her to be. And by God, he would do that. Even though, right this moment, he would rather die instead. The dress wasn't for Braden. How many times have I told myself that? Lizzie reminded herself that she was attending the event as hired help and nothing more. And she had three or four garments in her closet that were suitable for this evening's party. No doubt she would have pulled something off a hanger and thrown it on as she left her house, except for the fact that the world's most annoying billionaire, Braden Gallagher, had lit up her entire world yesterday. It had been years since she'd seen him, and her reaction to him had shattered her. In her late teens, on the cusp of womanhood, she'd had a crush on the much older boy. What girl wouldn't? Especially one who came from a much poorer background. Braden had it all. He was gorgeous, came from a perfect family, had a beautiful home where everything, air conditioning, even heating, worked perfectly at the flip of a switch. Every part of his life was charmed. Not only did he get good grades, he was the captain of the football team. It seemed he had a different girlfriend almost every week, and numerous colleges sent him coveted acceptance letters. As if that hadn't been enough to capture her schoolgirl fantasies, he was kind to her. She didn't see him much, mostly because he wasn't at his home when she was there with her mom. After school, Lizzie's aunt would sometimes drop her off at the Gallagher's house. Once Lizzie finished her homework, she helped cook dinner. If he didn't have a game or practice, he'd hang out in the kitchen too. One time, he'd arrived home from graduate school while she was showing off her prom dress for her mom. She'd been embarrassed when he came in with a couple of friends, but he'd told her how pretty she was and how lucky her date was. He and his friends had grabbed water and sports drinks from the refrigerator before heading out to the pool. But he'd stopped at the door, looked back over his shoulder, and smiled at her. Lizzie had almost swooned. His words, quick as they were, gave her more confidence than she'd known in her entire 18 years. Even though she had a degree of her own and a successful career, she was shocked to discover he still held enormous power over her. Having him find her in his closet had been humiliating. If she were smarter, she would have pushed past him and escaped back down the stairs. Instead, she stayed. Every part of her wanting to be near him, soaking up his attention. Braden was impossibly tall, so much broader than she remembered. And he was unbelievably fit, without an ounce of fat anywhere. His eyes were a grayish color, not quite green and not really blue. They were more like steel when it glinted in the sun. And power? He wore that with as much ease as he did his tailored suit. He was right also when he accused her of snooping. She had been, and her lie had been brazen. And of course, he'd seen right through it. While she had no real world experience with the things in his third drawer, she was curious. A few of her friends were into it, and the ones who were married seemed to have authentic and deeply connected relationships. But she'd never met anyone she was interested in trying it with. If Braden had arrived a few seconds before he did, 
He might have found her tracing her fingers over the skeins of silky white rope. That hadn't been what kept her awake for most of the night. His kiss had done that. His anger at her words had left her reeling. She'd been reminding them both of her station in life, as well as seizing on any excuse to get away from him. The more she talked, the angrier he'd gotten. The first demanding moments when he'd held her tight had thrown her world into orbit, and she hadn't known how to react. No man had ever been that physical with her before. Because she'd seen how hard her mother had struggled to make their lives better, Lizzie had kept herself focused on school, then work. She hadn't avoided men intentionally. Rather, she refused to let herself fall into emotional traps. Her girlfriends did plenty of crying over boys who hurt them, and some of them continued to do so. She was looking for love that led to marriage and babies, and she let her dates know that, which made her reaction to Brayden even more unfathomable. He was the absolute last man on the planet she should kiss. Behind his back, he was called the scandalous billionaire for a reason. He was often featured on gossip blogs paired with different women. Rumors swirled about his liaisons, and once, he and a female companion had been caught in a compromising situation as his limousine had arrived for a massive Mardi Gras party on Galveston's Pier 21. Unexpectedly, a hired greeter had opened the back door before Braden and his companion were ready. Though they brazened it out, pretending nothing had happened, there were pictures. Fortunately, blurry enough for the couple to deny that it was them in the photo. If Lizzie was going to choose someone to break all of her self-imposed rules with, she should select someone who was much less of a cad. Unfortunately, last night he'd curled her toes as no one else ever had. Girl, what are you doing in there? I want to see the dress. Crystal, her friend, pounded on the door, no doubt annoying the hell out of the very professional sales associates at one of Houston's shops near the shopping mecca known as the Galleria. Stalling, telling herself not to try to impress Brayden, Lizzie spun a slow, critical circle in the dressing room mirror. The little black gown was stunning. The material fit her hips tightly, and the back had a slight V cutout. With its capped sleeves, the dress was simultaneously enticing and sedate. I mean it, open up, Lizzie. Crystal began knocking again with every bit as much power as before. Okay, okay. With a quick twist of her wrist, Lizzie unlocked the door. Girl, Crystal exclaimed. Does that mean you like it? Damn right I do. The dress was shorter than Lizzie normally chose, and she tugged down slightly on the hem. Don't you dare do that. Show off them legs. That's why you drag me to sweaty yoga three days a week. Actually, Lizzie went mainly to quiet her mind so she could escape the stress of her demanding job. The physical results were a bonus. It's hot yoga. You call it anything you want. After five minutes, there's even under boob sweat. And I swear you're a masochist. The pain maker is brutal. Her physical trainer wasn't exactly a pain maker, but close enough. At first, she and Crystal had gone together. Then one time while doing a push-up, 
Crystal collapsed into a heap on the mat and announced she was never doing that again. She went to the locker room and never walked through the door of the fitness center ever again. Look at yourself. You totally rocked that dress. Lizzie wrinkled her nose. Even though she worked out, her body wasn't close to perfect. But the cut of the dress accented all her positive attributes and downplayed the ones she was most critical of. The dress was meant for her. Are you going to buy it? The saleswoman breezed in and bubbled over with effusive compliments. Crystal rolled her eyes and propped a hand on her hip. For a third time, Lizzie looked at the price tag. Really, she should wear something already hanging in her closet. But after yoga and a quick shower, followed by a trip to the coffee shop, Crystal suggested they go shopping. Not that Crystal needed an excuse. You know what they say, Crystal started. Don't look at the amount. Figure out how many times you're going to wear it and calculate the cost that way. So if you go to another five parties, the dress is... She shrugged. I don't know, I suck at math, but it's a lot less money. You're no help. Not once had her friend tried to talk Lizzie out of buying something. Crystal was a world-class instigator, seeming to get as much pleasure out of Lizzie's purchases as she did herself. But you dress up all the time. She did. Lizzie worked for the Sterling brand of hotels, and she worked on opening new properties for the chain. As part of her job, she attended numerous events where they hosted exclusive parties for event and wedding planners. They also did soft openings for the bars and restaurants, and those were also upscale. At the beginning of a job, she'd be in a hard hat. By the time she was ready to wrap it up, she was in tall heels and gowns. I'm telling you this, Crystal leaned forward, going in for the kill. If I was trying to impress Braden Gallagher, I'd buy it. Lizzie rolled her eyes. I'm not trying to impress him. Uh-huh. Okay, so maybe she was, but she shouldn't be. She gave herself one last stare. You're getting it, aren't you? Crystal whooped. Yes. Even though there were a hundred reasons she shouldn't, she nodded. Brayden was dangerous. His kiss had been possessive, frighteningly so. And while he'd held her close, his erection pressed against her belly. He wanted her, and she wanted him. For the first time in her life, Lizzie was feeling reckless. Chapter two. You look absolutely fucking gorgeous. Brayden captured her wrist and drew her away behind a potted palm, away from the glare of the lights as well as the party itself. Lizzie couldn't breathe. Everything except Brayden disappeared. The music spilling from inside the house and voices from the partygoers on the pool deck fell silent, replaced by the sound of her rushing heartbeat. I've been waiting all evening for a chance to be alone with you. As she got ready this evening, this was the reaction she'd dreamed of. And yet, just like yesterday, being the focus of Braden's attention overwhelmed her. We shouldn't do this. Do what? Whatever it is you're thinking. She was fairly certain she knew exactly what was going through his mind. Dinner will be served in a little while, 
and there are things I need to take care of. His mother had hired an official event planner, but Lizzie was helping her mother, and there were always myriad details that needed to be handled. He wore that dress for me. She gasped. I absolutely did not. You most certainly did. His grin was slow and confident. And I'm glad. I've been thinking about kissing you since the moment I first saw you tonight. Though she'd never admit it, she'd been consumed with the idea too. Because she knew parking would be at a premium, she'd decided to use a car service rather than driving herself. Braden had waved off the attendants hired for the evening and strode over to help her from the vehicle as if she were one of the guests. He'd stolen her breath. Yesterday, in a suit, he was handsome. Today, in a tuxedo, he was devastating. There were any number of beautiful socialites at the event, but he only had eyes for her. He leaned a little closer to her. Raiden, you're a siren sent to tempt me. Why her? Because she was off limits? Kiss me, Lizzie. This time, he was asking. There was no anger behind it, and he wanted her to be the one to initiate it. The truth was, she had no idea what she was supposed to do. Fuck, are you that innocent? His voice was hoarse. She had on her highest heels, and she still had to lift up to brush her lips against his. Perfume. She didn't normally wear any, but today she'd selected something light with the faintest hint of honeysuckle. I like it. Put your arms around my neck. Instead of waiting for her to follow his instruction, he gently took hold of her and guided her into place. Better? Yes. Again, with more confidence, she gave him another gentle kiss. Woman, that might be the death of me. Unsurprisingly, Braden took control. He kissed her, but in a totally different way than he had last night. This time, he was gentle, coaxing a response rather than insisting on one. She tasted something strong and masculine on him, perhaps whiskey. As the seconds passed, she relaxed into him, and he pressed one hand against her back and tucked the other into her hair. When he invited her closer, she went. His groan of appreciation reverberated through her, daring her to be bolder, and she opened her mouth wider. He pulled back long enough to meet her gaze, then seized her mouth again. Was this how he made love? As if it was the only thing that mattered? But what about the things she'd seen in the closet? She shuddered, imagining him wrapping her in that white rope and trailing the soft strands of the flogger over her body. From yesterday, she knew he wasn't always gentle. But even then, he'd never lost control. So he might do more than caress her with the strips of leather. Heat pooled through her. Who was this newer, more reckless Lizzie? She was seconds away from reaching for his tie and plucking the ends loose. 
She was grateful when he ended the kiss and reached back to unlink her arms. We have to stop right this moment. Otherwise, we're leaving the party and never coming back. He was being rational. Thank God he was capable of it because she wasn't sure that she was. With his thumbnail, Brayden traced her swollen mouth. There was a tiny fairy light behind them, enough to see something glint. His ring snagged her attention. At first, she assumed it was from his college, but she didn't see the expected insignia. Instead, there was an owl on it, with tiny emeralds for eyes. Don't freshen up your lipstick. His voice and the slight abrasion from his thumbnail crashed into her train of thought. When I look at you for the rest of the night, I want to know I was the one who did it to you. Because she didn't know what to say, she ran a hand across the front of her dress, then unconsciously tugged at the hem. We should get back, he said. His words were a splash of reality in her face. This interlude had been stupid. What if someone had noticed them disappear together? He looked around the enormous plant, then glanced back at her. It's safe, you can go. I'll follow in about 30 seconds. That will give you enough time to preserve your reputation. His, on the other hand, would only increase if he was caught in an indelicate situation with yet another woman. Wondering if she'd gone a little mad since yesterday, she double-checked that there was no one around before stepping out and heading toward the house. Elizabeth? She'd almost made it across the concrete patio when a familiar voice stopped her. Rife? Her heart somewhere in the vicinity of her knees, she turned to her boss. Rafe Sterling owned thousands of hotels, and she was fortunate to work for him. She'd only been able to afford to attend a community college, but she'd worked damn hard to earn good grades, and she won a scholarship to Houston's biggest university. A couple of years ago, his company founded the hospitality school that she'd attended. Students ran the Sterling University Hotel, as well as the restaurants and coffee shop there. It afforded an unusual learning experience. In her years there, she'd served in every position, from waitstaff to housekeeping, to barista, cashier, to front desk clerk. She'd even been a bellhop and concierge. She'd particularly enjoyed her stint as a valet because she'd had the opportunity to drive both a Ferrari and a Lamborghini. During the last year of her studies, she'd moved into management of various departments, and because she was at the top of her class, for the final months, she'd served as the hotel's general manager. Rafe himself had stayed at the hotel and had met with her. After graduation, he'd offered her a job. She'd spent a year abroad serving an externship of sorts, learning more about his business model and honing her customer service skills. When she returned, Rafe approached her about moving into her current position. He'd told her it would be terribly demanding and cut her social life into tiny ribbons, but because of her experience in every facet of his operations, she was perfect for the job. It was only later that she learned that his other openers had 15 to 20 years of on-the-job training. Still, it was perfect for her. Houston and her family was home, even though she knew her next posting could take her anywhere in the world. I didn't realize you'd be here. How nice to see you. He shook her hand. 
The Gallaghers and Sterlings have been friends for years. That shouldn't have surprised her. Both families were from old money. I didn't realize you'd be here. And she never would be if she wasn't the help. She was so far out of her depth that she wanted the world to swallow her whole. My mother has been the housekeeper here for almost 25 years. From the time she discovered she was pregnant with Lizzie, scared and alone. Lizzie shouldn't be embarrassed in front of her boss, but unaccountably she was. I'm here to help out. They're lucky to have you. As always, Rafe Sterling was a gentleman. Tell me they're not going to steal you away. Never. I love what I do. To make a getaway, she switched back to a role she knew well, hospitality. May I offer you a glass of champagne? There's also a full bar with your favorite whiskey. I've kept you long enough, I apologize. Ah, Rafe. The deep, sensual tone of Braden's voice drizzled down her spine. Enjoy your evening, she said to her boss. She started to walk away, but Braden was there, placing his hand on her back, holding her in place. How are you? I see you've met Lizzie, he asked as the two men shook hands. Surprising her, she realized Rafe and Braden wore matching rings. I have. Elizabeth is one of Sterling's greatest assets. Oh? Braden asked. She's one of my openers. When Braden didn't respond, Rafe went on with an explanation. Every time we open a new property, I assign someone to oversee every aspect. Sales, food and beverage, training, customer service, amenities, IT, that sort of thing. Of course, each department has its own manager, but they all report to that one key person until I bring on an operations director. The opener stays on the job through the first few weeks to ensure a smooth transition. It's a relatively new position, and we've found it adds a layer of continuity that was sometimes missing. Impressive, Braden said. You know how to run every department in the hotel and take care of all the details that go into the grand opening? He placed his hand on her again, this time in the spot where the dress plunged into the deep V, leaving them skin on skin. Uncomfortable at being the center of attention, as well as with the way her body was responding to Braden with a rush of pheromones, she shrugged. The training program was comprehensive. As you might imagine, I don't hire for this position. I recruit from the top 1% of my team. Aren't you afraid someone will steal her away? What the hell kind of question was that? And how was Rafe supposed to answer it? In silent warning, she unobtrusively placed her stiletto on Braden's foot. If he continued, she wouldn't hesitate to bring him to his knees. Am I afraid someone will steal her away? Every damn day. With an eyebrow raised, Rafe considered Braden. Should I be? Suddenly, this was beyond absurd. Gentlemen, Sterling Worldwide has my complete loyalty. I intend to be there as long as Rafe will have me. If you'll excuse me. Lizzie escaped to the inside of the house, where she paused for a second to collect herself. She was a professional businesswoman here tonight as part of the staff. Her mother was frowning. Obviously, from her vantage point behind the kitchen island, she'd seen the entire exchange. What? Lizzie asked. They're both still watching you. Every impulse screamed at her to look over her shoulder to see for herself.
but she refused to. What's going on? Eileen asked. I honestly have no idea. Lizzie shook her head. Braden Gallagher was acting possessive of her, in front of her boss, which was absurd. She and Braden had shared a kiss or two, hardly enough for him to feel as if he had the right to behave that way. What can I help with? She diverted her mother back to party responsibilities, which was Lizzie's best way out of the conversation. After all, there was no way she was going to confess that she'd behaved badly with Braden a few minutes ago. One of the bartenders popped his head inside. We need more champagne. I'll handle it, Lizzie offered. Do you know where it is? Eileen pointed toward the farthest end of the house. In the study. Interesting. That was one of the few rooms in the house that she'd never been in. Though her mother dusted and swept the room periodically, Braden reportedly never used it. The space had been designed by his grandfather and then occupied by his father, but Braden had opted to have an office upstairs. At the end of the hallway, Lizzie turned the handle and pushed the door open. No wonder he didn't come in here. With its oak paneling and heavy leather furniture and a Tiffany lamp, it was all but a shrine to a bygone era. Trophies lined built-in shelves. College pennants and Greek symbols were tacked up. Framed pictures were hung from the walls. Though she should grab a few bottles of champagne from the refrigerator that had been temporarily installed in the room, she couldn't resist a closer look at the black and white photographs. She recognized Braden's grandfather shaking hands with a man who'd been the president of the United States. In another, he was standing next to an astronaut. She glanced around, taking in the rest of the photos, some featuring Braden's father. There were a number of people she didn't recognize in the shots, but more than a few that she did. Actors, performers, politicians, scientists. On the oversized and intricately carved desk, there was an owl with emerald eyes, flanked by laurel leaves, a much larger replica of the one on Braden's ring. Intrigued, she returned to the photo of Braden's grandfather shaking hands with the president. Both of their rings bore the same owl. She glanced around again, taking in the lowercase Greek Z on a banner. What in the world? Some sort of fraternity? It was another reminder of how little she knew about the man who'd kissed her. From outside, the sound of laughter reached her, reminding her of the party. Quickly, she grabbed half a dozen bottles of champagne, loaded them into a box, then hurried back to the kitchen, where she gave them to the party planner, who'd been on her way to find out what was keeping Lizzie. Eileen frowned at her. I was being nosy. Is Brayden in a fraternity? Of a sort. Eileen turned on the faucet and began rinsing dishes. Odd. She wasn't generally evasive, which heightened Lizzie's curiosity. Along with the President of the United States? Maybe it was a college thing. No doubt all the Gallagher men had attended the same one. Hmm. Mom. If you want to know anything more, you will have to ask Bryden. With that, she went back to work. Waitstaff began letting guests know that dinner was being served in the tents. Afterward, 
There would be announcements and a toast celebrating Mr. and Mrs. Gallagher's anniversary. Cake and coffee would follow, and at the same time, the quartet would begin playing in the ballroom. Because they had a short break, Lizzie and her mother ate a small meal in the kitchen. Eileen steered the conversation toward their own family. Will you be there tomorrow night? Lizzie's Aunt Virginia had married into a large Latin family, and she'd enthusiastically embraced the culture. Now, every Sunday, her Aunt Virginia made dinner for anyone who wanted to come over. Recently, one of her sons had started distilling his own tequila, and each time he came, he brought a bottle or two. The gathering was now known as the Triple T, tamales, taquitos, and tequila. Some weeks, there were only a few people who showed up, but at times, there were as many as 30 attendees. Estella is bringing the baby. Then I'll definitely be there. She hadn't gotten to meet the newborn, and she was looking forward to holding her. I knew that would get you. Their conversation was interrupted by the party planner entering the house. Do you mind letting the band know it's time for them to start? Happy to. After snatching a mint from a bowl on the counter, Lizzie went into the ballroom and chatted with the band, making sure that they had beverages. Then she double-checked that the two people behind the small makeshift bar were all set. We may need some more bottled water. It's pretty hot tonight. Good idea. A half hour later, as more and more people drifted inside, the atmosphere around her became supercharged. Brayden. Even without seeing him or hearing him speak, she knew he was there. Dance with me. His baritone voice slid over her, awakening an immediate response in her. Despite her best efforts to avoid him, he'd found her, making her wonder if he'd been looking for her. Lizzie turned to face him, all the while looking for an excuse to escape. A few couples were already swaying to an old Frank Sinatra song. The bartender in the corner was mixing a drink. Everything was under control. I was just going to check on. What? The idea of being in his arms again made rational thought vanish. In a rushed whisper, she finished her sentence. Something. I'm sure you won't be missed for the next three minutes. How could he not understand her position? I can't. She couldn't, no matter how much she wanted to. The host doesn't fraternize with the help. Fraternize, is it? A smile played around his mouth. Since he'd found her in his closet, he'd been gruff, serious, and enticingly sexy. But this softer side of him was irresistible. People will talk. I don't spend a lot of time concerned about that. You might not, but I do. Her mom would have questions, and perhaps his mother as well. He shrugged. You're the help. Do I understand that correctly? So in this instance, it makes me your boss. Don't. She saw where this was going. That sneaky using my words against me. He was as determined as he was clever. It's only a dance. His voice was persuasive. In front of all these people. He waved his hand, then leaned in a little closer. It's not an all-out attempt at seduction. 
Oh, but it is. And it was working. There are only about two minutes left in this song. What harm could there be? To her, a lot. She wasn't a woman capable of switching her emotions on and off. We can do it here, away from prying eyes. Brayden, say yes. Without giving her time to protest, he wrapped his arms around her, claiming her the moment she agreed. Brayden held her tight, as if he never wanted to let her go. At first, she held her body rigid, but he was a force of nature, and she was powerless to resist him. We fit together nice. He was right, but for the sake of her sanity, she couldn't agree. Makes me wonder what else would be perfect between us. For a moment, no one else existed, and she realized why so many women fell for him. She'd been tempting fate when she bought this dress, swiped on the lipstick and dabbed a drop of fragrance behind her ear. His grip was tight, and for one tantalizing minute, she wondered what it might be like if she were his social equal, if he was interested in her as a woman. Since both thoughts were ludicrous, she shooed them away. She had found success in her life because she didn't allow men to distract her. Lizzie told herself to remember that. When the song ended, she pulled back, desperate to get away. Thank you. She forced a polite smile as she reminded herself that it had only been yesterday that she'd found his tie under the couch in the living room. This billionaire was a complete scoundrel, and Elizabeth Ryan refused to become another in his long line of conquests. You should stay. Shocked, Lizzie turned. Braden's shoulders were propped on one of the thick sliding glass partitions that had recently been closed. Outside, a few torches still flickered, and the fairy lights danced in the gentle breeze. The party had ended almost an hour ago, but it had taken that long for the caterers to clean up and for her and her mother to put the kitchen to rights again. Lizzie had walked her mother to her car before returning for her cell phone to request a car. It had been a long night. Her feet throbbed, and she longed to slip out of her heels. At the very least, she should have brought a second pair to change into. But when she left the house, she'd been thinking about which pair went best with the dress, and about the way her calves would look in them. I mean it, there's no need to leave. His suggestion was ludicrous, and she needed to refuse right away. It's late. He glanced at the massive clock on the kitchen wall and winced or early, depending on your point of view. All the more reason for her to leave now. You've been working hard on this event for at least two days. I've got a soaker tub you might enjoy. Her rented home was small and only had a shower in the master suite, and there were times she missed taking a long bath. But she wasn't an idiot. She knew there was only one soaker tub in the house, and that was in the master suite. I have plenty of guest rooms, he grinned, not really sure how many. Eight. She knew. After all, there'd been many times she'd helped her mother change the sheets on all of the beds. I give you my word as a gentleman that I'll behave.
he raised his right hand. That was the biggest part of this whole problem. Part of her didn't want him to keep his distance. She wanted to be ravaged by him, swept away for once in her life. You can be asleep before you'd even arrive home. Well, depending on where you live in the city. After their dance earlier, she'd done her best to avoid Brayden. That wasn't easy, though. All of her instincts were attuned to him. If he came within 50 feet of her, tiny goosebumps chased down her arms. She could pick out the richness of his baritone voice in a room full of men. Now he was even more enticing. He'd discarded his jacket and unknotted his bow tie, leaving the ends dangling starkly against his crisp white shirt. The look was every bit as sexy as she'd earlier imagined it might be. What do you say? Survival instinct screamed, no. But instead, she exhaled a shaky breath and gave him a small grin. You had me at soaker tub. Chapter three. Spending the night at Braden's house was not one of Lizzie's smartest decisions. She'd been soaking in the tub with her head tipped back and her eyes closed, luxuriating in the magnificence of the moment, until she heard him moving about in his bedroom and his closet. Because she was afraid of seeing him naked, she lowered herself a little until her shoulders were under the water, and she stayed that way for far too long. Finally, when the water chilled her, making her teeth chatter, she stepped out, then dried off with one of his big, fluffy towels. Then she slipped into a t-shirt that he'd given her. The hem came to mid-thigh, and she told herself it wasn't skimpy. After all, it covered more of her than her dress had. His shirt smelled like him, even though that was impossible. It had been folded on a shelf, fresh from the laundry. But to her, it was snugly and warm, and it had a slight scent of spice. When she emerged from the bathroom, he was nowhere to be found. She rolled her eyes heavenward in a little show of gratitude. Then she chided herself for hiding out in the first place. If she'd been a little braver, she could have already been in bed. After another quick glance around, she dashed toward the bedroom she'd selected. It was on the opposite side of the house, as far away from Braden as she could get. Once the door clicked closed, she hurried to the bed, where she yanked the covers up to her chin and listened for sounds of him. The air conditioner kicked on, and its whisper was enough to make any other sound impossible to discern. A few minutes later, she turned over and closed her eyes, only to pop them open almost right away. Telling herself to stop being ridiculous, that Braden wasn't standing there waiting to take advantage of her, she drew a steadying breath and tried again. Each time she started to drift off to sleep, memories of their time together rushed through her mind, one after the other, each vivid in color and emotion. She replayed the scene in his closet and the way he'd pulled her behind a palm. His kisses, from intense to promising, had each been so stimulating and they'd evoked unique responses in her. And there were the toys she'd found in his closet. Until yesterday, she'd never had much of a desire to experiment sexually. 
But now, she pictured herself tied for his pleasure, maybe even blindfolded. Shocking her, she even wondered what she might look like with his gag in her mouth. There was no way she was going to be able to sleep as long as they were both under the same roof. With his gorgeous smile and devastating purpose, Braden Gallagher had started to dismantle every defense she'd erected to keep herself safe. In frustration, she tossed and turned for over an hour, unable to get comfortable, despite punching the pillow into numerous different shapes. Sometime after three, she gave up and climbed out of bed. She tiptoed to the door, then opened it a crack. The lights were out, and the house was quiet. Holding her breath, just in case, Lizzie crept down the cool marble stairs and padded into the kitchen. Because she'd spent countless hours here after school released for the day, this place was comfortable. Wondering if her mother still kept a pile of homemade chocolate chip cookies stashed away, Lizzie rooted through the pantry. Yes, she whispered as she triumphantly pulled out a canister. She carried it to the island, then she pulled down a glass from a cupboard shelf and placed it on the counter before grabbing a carton of milk from the refrigerator. Is there enough for two? Lizzie screamed and jumped, nearly dropping the half-gallon container. How had she not heard him? Shaking from the fright he'd given her, she spun. When she saw him, her eyes widened, and she couldn't find her voice. He lazed in the door jam, wearing only a pair of boxer briefs. Sorry, I didn't mean to startle you. His voice was rich and sleep roughened, dragging across her senses like diamonds on steel. Couldn't sleep? Sometimes happens when I'm not in my own bed, she fibbed. His jaw was unshaven, making him seem sexier than ever. Unable to stop herself, she looked at him, appreciating his broad shoulders and honed chest that had a sexy smattering of hair. Lizzie told herself to affect an air of nonchalance, pretending she often found herself alone with a scandalous billionaire in his kitchen in the middle of the night. But that wasn't the truth, and every nerve ending was twisted inside out. Right now, she didn't know how to stop herself from letting her gaze wander lower to his tight abdomen. He had a workout room in the house, and there was no doubt he used it. She skipped over his private parts to notice how lean his legs were, probably from cycling or running. Then, damn it, she was unable to resist temptation and looked at his pelvis. The black boxer briefs had a pouch of types to accommodate his balls and the fabric was stretched tight. And even from here, she could make out the shape of his cock. Arousal flashed through her in a wave of hunger she'd never experienced before. It was as frightening as it was irresistible. He was regarding her. And if his lazy smile was anything to go by, he didn't mind the way she'd been staring at him. To distract herself from the unwelcome sensations zipping through her, Lizzie carried the milk to the island. Are you going to be selfish with the cookies? I'll tell your mom you wouldn't share. Because his comment was so lighthearted and absurd, a contradiction to his sexy masculinity, she gave a small laugh. Without waiting for another response, 
he pushed away from the door. Within seconds, he'd pulled back a stool from the island and took a seat. Lizzie contemplated fleeing back to her room, but now that he was up, she knew she wouldn't be able to go to sleep anyway. She transferred a pile of cookies onto a plate, then slid it in front of him. Milk also? I haven't done this in years. Neither had she. I'll take that as a yes. Please, he nodded. After she took down a second glass and filled each of them, then returned the carton to the fridge, the situation became even more awkward, at least for her. He seemed completely at ease. Thank you. He lifted his glass and tipped it toward her in a slight toast. Then surprising her, he dunked his cookie in the milk. For a moment, he looked more carefree than she ever remembered. Ever since she'd met him, he'd been serious, maybe to the point of somber. Or maybe this was an act, part of his effort to charm her. If so, it was working. I always appreciated the way your mom had treats for me. She took a drink and propped her hips against the sink, about as far away from his as possible. After little Mandy. Intrigued, she waited. Her mother almost never spoke of Braden's baby sister, who'd been born premature and passed a few weeks later. Things changed. He finished his cookie, and she wondered if he'd go on or whether that was as much as he intended to share. Mom used to be happy, and then all the joy was sucked from our lives. Lizzie had heard that his parents separated shortly after that. Even now, they lived in different homes, even though they'd never filed for divorce. They lost a child, and I lost my little sister and my parents. He shrugged, but there was pain in his eyes, making it difficult for her to breathe. There was a year or more of this horrible, unnatural silence. No television, no music. When I look back, I'm sure my mother was depressed. He couldn't have been more than eight or nine at the time, not nearly old enough to understand what was happening. And then came the yelling. Well, not from mom, never from her, but from dad. The louder he was, the more she cried. It didn't get any better when he left. In fact, it might have been worse. Grief takes its toll. Oh, Brayden, I'm so sorry. I really had no idea. While she'd heard the story before, she'd been removed from it. She was never at the house without her mother, and Eileen spread joy wherever she went. Without your mom. He shrugged. Having her here made things bearable. More than ever, she understood the offense she'd caused yesterday when she suggested her mother might lose her job. He meant it when he said how much Eileen meant to him. Sorry, I didn't mean to be melancholy. He snatched up another cookie. Where does she hide them? It's a secret. You didn't even know they were there. And if I tell you, you'll eat them all, and then I won't have any when I come over. So you really weren't going to share? She took a great big bite. Not at all. They exchanged goofy grins. Once they faded, the atmosphere ignited. Lizzie. 
even though she should resist him. She wanted him with a ferocity that wouldn't be denied. Each motion purposeful, he slipped from the stool and strode toward her. Those things in your drawers? She faltered, unable to express herself. Why had she even mentioned her fears? Braden captured her shoulders in a touch that was unbelievably light and reassuring. Yes? He asked. They're terrifying. They don't need to be. Everything I own can be sensual and nothing more. It depends on how the toy is used. And I want to be clear about this. I have no expectations of you. We don't have to use any of them. Once again, unbidden, her thoughts turned to the rope she'd fondled, the gag she'd seen. Was there anything that interested you? No. Lizzie, Lizzie. He trailed a finger down the side of her jaw. You'd make a terrible poker player. When you're not being truthful, you speak more quickly than normal. It's slight, but noticeable because I'm watching every little thing you do, listening to each word you utter. That's ridiculous. It wasn't. She'd all but snapped the words. Is it? You did it when we were in my closet and I asked if you'd opened the third drawer. And again, a few minutes ago, when you said you couldn't sleep because you were in a strange bed. Had anyone ever seen through her as well as he did? That idea was even more frightening than his BDSM proclivities. We can try anything you want, or nothing at all. She nodded. I want to make love to you, Lizzie. That word. She would have preferred he say fuck, something that would allow her to build an emotional barrier between them. There was no doubt he was far more casual about sex than she was, so everything he did had to be purposeful, as a way to build intimacy. For her, it was working. I have condoms, and we'll use them. She squeezed her eyes shut as she surrendered to the inevitable. Don't hide from me. That's exactly what she wanted to do. It'd be easier for me, she admitted when she looked at him again. Maybe it would. He rested his thumb against the hollow of her throat. But this isn't something I'm doing to you. It's something we're doing together. That's the magic of it. And watching your reactions matters to me, especially the first time we're together. First time. His words indicated he anticipated this would happen more than once, and that seemed at odds with what she knew about him. I'm going to take off your t-shirt. She glanced around. No blinds covered the glass. There are no neighbors close enough to see anything. The few times she'd been with a man, she undressed in the dark, but she didn't protest when he caught the hem of the t-shirt and drew it up her thighs. His touch was sure as he continued, exposing her pussy, then her belly. So beautiful. He was a master with his approving tone. Braden continued until he bared her breasts. 
In the chilly room, her nipples pebbled, and he scraped his nails across them lightly, making her breath catch. Perfect. You're perfect, Lizzie. She raised her arms as he finished removing the shirt. Still looking at her, he tossed the garment in the direction of the countertop before stripping off her panties. Fighting off the instinctive desire to cover herself, she stood there, nerves slamming into her in waves. I've thought of this moment. So had she. But in her fantasies, she'd been much more confident. You're even more exquisite than I imagined. His words not only soothed her, they emboldened her. Braden cradled her breasts, then tweaked her nipples. She gasped from the pleasure that surged through her. You're sensitive? He asked. Very much so. In that case, I'll be gentle with you. Don't. Please. Lizzie had never been bold when it came to asking for what she wanted in the bedroom, but Braden seemed to expect it. I liked it. Did you? And this? Tell me if you like this. His eyes darkened before he lowered his head to lick one of the beaded tips. She jerked, then froze. It's- Tell me. How could she describe something she'd never experienced before? I feel as though I'm vibrating on the inside. That's good. It's indescribable. And how's this? He sucked on her nipple and slowly released the pressure until she moaned. Immediately, he backed off again. She sighed with impatience. So that was pleasure rather than pain? It was both, I think. She couldn't separate one from the other. All she knew was that she liked it. So you want more? For me to push you a little further? Yes. Braden started again, but this time when she whimpered, he continued. Overwhelmed with response, her knees weakened. She reached for his shoulders for support. Unthinkingly, she moved her hips toward him, and he continued to suck. Shocking her, he moved a hand between her legs to stroke her. Within seconds, an orgasm began to blossom. Are you going to come for me, Lizzie? So quickly? Her last partner had never given her this much attention. Once he ejaculated, he fell asleep. After a few weeks, she lost the little interest she'd had in sex. Then shortly after, the relationship itself. That's what I want. Come for me. He eased a finger inside her, then a second alongside it. He moved his hand slightly and pressed against her G-spot. With a scream, she came, splintering, falling. Moments later, she was wrapped in his arms, safe, secure. And she wasn't quite sure how she'd ended up there. It took forever for Lizzie to regain her equilibrium. When she did, she flattened one of her palms against his chest and pushed back a few inches. 
Braden was looking down at her, wearing a wide, silly grin, as if he was proud of himself. No one had ever spent that much time focused on her satisfaction. It was unbelievably appealing. Lizzie gave herself a mental shake. She needed to be careful. After all, he'd earned his scandalous reputation, and she was nothing more than an addition to his long list of conquests. But right this moment, she didn't feel that way. Instead, she felt special, and that was addictive. Shall we go upstairs? She had to know, even if she never saw him again after tonight. Yes. His smile faded, replaced by a flare of possession in his steely gray-blue eyes. Every part of her responded to him, making him potentially lethal to her emotional well-being. Right this moment, she was willing to sacrifice that on the altar of seduction he offered. Welcome back. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so do we have any new releases this week? Mel um, accidentally stopped recording, so <laughs> we, don't, we don't know if there's any new releases this week. We'll have to tell you on Friday. But we do know that this book that we were playing for you, um, you can get it in ebook right now. It's called Scandalous Billionaire by Sierra Cartwright. And we'll be back on Friday with the second installment of the audiobook. So yay. yay. Excitement. So Leah, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance.